Welcome to The Event Brew, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Welcome back to Event Brew, my friends, the podcast where when you show up last, you have to do the intro. My name is Dustin. I am from One West Events here in beautiful Canada, Calgary, Alberta, on the base of the foothills. Spring is springing here in Canada, and it's wonderful. We are joined today in order of excellence by a new face, Deanna Nelso, with the Experience Junkie podcast. Welcome to the podcast, Deanna. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I, I like the concept of, you know, kicking our feet up at the bar after the event and talking smack. Well, we're super, <laughs> we're super excited to have you here and we're going to put you through the paces on this. As okay. always, we have the wonderful, always positive and upbeat Nick Borelli with all seated. Yes, that's true. And what area of the country do you live in now? Yeah, I'm in uh, the north uh, center part of the uh, United north States. Center. Where no yeah. one ever describes it that way. North yeah, center, the that middle is, north. Is, the, that uh, a, north is, that a, is that an oxymoron? What is that? What is Midwest? That exactly? You're in the Midwest. I feel dude. like I'm he's in... trying to fight against it. <laughs> I'm trying to find something else. To north say of center, <laughs> Nick Varelli. Always a pleasure to see you. And yeah. my fourth favorite person on this podcast, Bill Curran, with Endless Events. And like hundredth favorite person in the and world. And I, I have to tell you, I do not care for this background. I don't know what's going on there. I know the viewers can't see, so I'll describe it to you. It is a sad looking brick wall. It looks like you're in a schoolhouse of some sort. And I'm assuming you're Unfinished not in your... Unfinished basement or yeah. maybe some sort of... Uh, oh, yeah, wait, see, no, that's a better view. Yeah, yeah there you keep, go. keep turning. All right, rest assured. I'm just jealous of the fact that he can always change his view. Like, I'm in a... 10 by two foot little box office. So I don't have the, you know, my, my setup is my setup. Yeah. Jenny, we can jazz up the walls a little bit. There. You're not, you're not <laughs> get free and clear work. of my criticism today. We need, we need to get you some artwork, maybe some wallpaper. Yeah. Look at Nick. So, See, that's extra. Yeah. Yeah. Somewhere between Nick and me is a, there's a sweet spot. Right? Awesome. Well, for the sake of the podcast, I'll stop talking about things that people can't see. And in the, Event Brew Tradition, let's talk about what we are drinking. Uh, I'm going to go with Deanna first because you are our guest today. What are you drinking? I love either a good high noon, preferably the peach flavor, mm. or mm. Um, Cider Boys. What's, a high, what's a high noon? High noon, it's like a um, flavored seltzer, oh. but with vodka. Yeah. Oh. It's like a spiked seltzer water. And is it a it's like is it a um, white claw, or? but better. Oh. Yeah. Mm. All right. You've mm-hmm. got my attention now. Once I tried High Noon, I have not drank a white claw since. Awesome. So. Where are you, oh. Deanna? Where in the world are you? Oh, I'm located in North Carolina. So North I'm in Carolina. like the triad area. I got you. Okay. So I probably do not have this High Noon in Canada. We will ship you, you some High Noon. I have very export of our lovely country. <laughs> I think that's highly illegal, but you give it a try. <laughs> Give it a try. I hear if you take it across the boats, you're good. 
that's a lie too. But okay. <laughs> I don't know who's giving you this information, but you better The leave. same person who said it is okay to sneak across the border to go see uh, Tenet when it came out. Uh, <laughs> Dustin. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Oh. As long as you don't have any booze in your pockets or cheese or fruit and vegetables, you're fine. Uh, Nick, what, uh, what life-altering drink are you drinking today? Yeah, I, uh, I've been cycling through the different flavors of the uh, liquid death. What? Uh, There's more than one flavor? Yeah. You've been drinking yeah, they, that for a while. You it's really, great. You really yeah. commit to a brand. I like that. <laughs> I, I do. Uh, you know, I, I like really just enjoy their whole, like, uh, you know, uh, ID, I guess. that They're super cool. Uh, really cool, uh, uh, you know, looking, obviously. This is Mango Chainsaw. Uh, any... It doesn't really get much better than the phrase murder your thirst as far as a tagline. Um, But uh, yeah, really good water. Like it's uh, it's it's sparkling, but like um, doesn't sting. Just uh, really, really good. So it's drift. uh, What's the we call it? What's the other one? Spindrift is like, you know, in and out of this one. But like this one is like you get them super cold and they're uh, just excellent. So this is the mango chainsaw. So that's Can, the one I've seen all over LinkedIn that everyone's getting on. Un, they're unboxing crates of water. Oh, yeah. Is that it? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, let's talk about like the silent hero of events. Like no one will ever talk about this, but I think Liquid Death did more to change events than probably most things in the last couple of years because now it's made it cool to not drink at an event and you don't get questioned about it. Mm. So you can drink water and no one will ever question you about it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think, it's the, uh, that's the biggest, temple of the biggest the... influence. No, but I'm events. just being controversial. You got to go big or go home. <laughs> that's going to be the thing. It's not going to be. Yeah. That's going to be my. That's my yeah. de- yeah. quote that I'm going to die yeah. by on my like tombstone yeah. right just, there. Will just said above that. COVID, liquid death <laughs> right. has had the biggest impact on <laughs> right. events in recent The biggest history. transformation. Yeah. yeah exactly. All right. Well, well, let's follow up that energetic description of what we were drinking. What are you drinking? What kind of crazy witchcraft brew tea are you drinking? Today. <laughs> I'm just drinking my normal, uh, my chai tea, uh, my David Rio chai tea out of my Ember mug uh, today. It's getting pretty low. I think I might have to make a second one halfway through this episode. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm drinking a Village Squeeze. So longtime listeners will know that I've worked all through the Village brand of drinks. So this is a lemonberry Helis and it has the Helis. cutest can. So oh, this the is can. the can. This is the parents of one of their employees that got featured so cool. on. This Isn't can. it Hell's? I don't know. I, what a I, cool I, photo! I, <laughs> I just I, nobody can see it. So the the checking of my uh, of my pronunciation was really unnecessary there. <laughs> Email us today and let us know. H e l l e s. Isn't it Hell's? I've always like Hell's Bells was what I always thought it was. But anyways, is it anyways. alcoholic? It's alcoholic. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's oh. like a it's like a nice like fruity ale. Anyways, it's oh. got a really cute photo of team member Nicole's parents on it. They must have won oh, the cool. like campaign to get their super cute photo on the can. And Village is a wonderful local brewery, and they give 10% of all of their money back to community. They do tons of community events, really just amazing community-minded folks over there at Village Brewery. So if you are in the Western Canada area and you see Village on the shelf, choose Village, not a sponsor. <laughs> that makes me think of um pc name tag to bring it back to events how they always feature their employees in the in the brochures oh am i dating oh, myself but cool. i actually have seen a pc name tag brochure oh that's so fun also not hashtag not sponsored but pc name tag <laughs> feel free to reach out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome all right dustin what are we talking about so since we have deanna here 
and we're all feeling so energetic, we thought we would talk about the pandemic is over. So I think this is actually a celebration podcast. We should be <laughs> popping some champagne. No, I would have I would have decorated my background. Well, you are you are wearing a ball gown, and we really appreciate that. So you're so that is very much appreciated. Beautiful updo. I mean, it's like you're you're killing it. So yeah, we're talking about the pandemic's over, but uh, a word of caution: let's not plan events like it's 2019. And yeah, uh, yeah, we're going to break down some of the things that I think we've been ranting and raving about on this podcast for a couple years and maybe figure out what's come true and uh, what is not what we expected. So um, who wants to uh, who wants to kick off with some some big things? I I got I want to rant and then I'll give I'll toss off a question. I'm just sick of like how everybody went through like the pandemic and was like, yeah, we had to learn all this stuff and new, do all these different things. And, you know, we're going to be different and better because of this, because, you know, our jobs basically got destroyed and our whole industry got destroyed. And then like I'm coming back to it and people are like, yeah, I'm, you know, we're not going to do virtual at all. We're just going to go only in person. Screw the mm-hmm. virtual audience, you know, or, hey, I'm going to plan the exact same event. I've heard a bunch of people say like they plan exactly the same and then they, no one shows up for the event or they leave and they're unhappy. And then everyone goes, well, why, you know, I'm. I don't know. I just feel like that totally happened. It was basically all the heartache and crap that we went through for two years. Basically, it feels like it was for nothing. So, Deanna, what's what's bothering you the most about like what you're seeing with events like today that you're like, why, why are we not move past this? No, I think I would agree with that. I think it's one thing to repackage an event from 2019 because that's what your audience is clamoring for. Um, so my former employer... Um, I know that they're, you know, in the software space, their user conference this year, they had banner uh, attendance and registration. Um, And I can tell you that 75% of the agenda I had planned for the 2020 conference that got canceled (laughs) and didn't happen. So it was very close to um, a, you know, pre-COVID event. And obviously there were some differences and it was a different location. But they got tons of people because that crowd just wanted to be in person. Mm -hmm. They typically like to get out of the office and use the conference as an excuse to have an expense paid trip by their boss to leave their family Mm -hmm. and, you know, go booze and be in another city and be away from their responsibilities. So it makes sense that it didn't affect registration. They thought that it was a great event. But there's plenty of events where registrations are low. Um, I was just seeing... um, Someone put a call for ideas for one of their clients that, you know, they're they're just trending low. They're not being able to hit the numbers that they're supposed to hit and they don't know what to do. And it's like, well, is it the same event that you did mm-hmm. previously? Why would people leave their safety bubble, um, especially with travel? Like some people are not comfortable with the fact that there's no mask mandate. So travel does not feel safe to them. Um, plenty of people do feel safe and that's great. It's your prerogative, but like, don't take that for granted. It needs to be an event worth traveling for. So Mm -hmm. I agree. If you're going to do in person, um, it can't be the same event unless, like I said, with, with my former employer and their audience, unless that's what your people want, they Mm -hmm. want the also ran and they're going to sign up for it and say, thank you. This is exactly what I wanted. I wanted a feeling of normalcy and you know, nostalgia and and coming together. And so it sounds like, it sounds like there still are those events where it really doesn't matter what's on the agenda. It could be, it could be a hot dog making course and they'd be like, (laughs) great, I'm in, I want to go. I want to see my colleagues. I want to get away from all of this craziness. I want to spend a week in location 
wherever. And then you still have audiences that are not ready to commit to traveling for safety reasons or they're finding they're finding other ways to get what they would get out of that out of that conference and the latter i think yeah. is uh is definitely underappreciated i think yes there's certainly people who have squeamishness around travel you know that uh is lingering i think a lot of people also had their like myself at least had their habits broken uh there's enough time that have, has transpired where uh, the, where they classically say how much time is required in order for habits to be broken. And uh, in that, new habits were created, new um, mindsets were formed, um, new priorities came into being, be it uh, the amount of time that people want to spend with their family, be it uh, how they organize their, their jobs, who does what? And with that uh, comes a challenge if you're planning on going to return to 2019. Uh, I really think it's limiting no matter what event it is to go with the exact same script. I think mm -hmm. uh, you can you can provide the 2019 people with something, but it's still leaving people in the dust that uh, have changed their mindset. So the challenge, I think, full, like the big challenge post-COVID is uh and uh and this is it's really a caveat more than a challenge is that a lot of lessons were learned um and we discovered that we were underserving lots of people the problem is it doesn't really matter if you don't have more assets if you don't have more bandwidth if you don't have more resources mm -hmm. what i've discovered uh working in in the virtual space for the last you know year and a half or so is that you can get someone to admit that their event would be better with synchronous hybrid or an asynchronous hybrid strategy, um, but they still won't necessarily do it if they don't have the means to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is key. So what we should have been doing while we were learning new things was actually how to get the uh, resources we need to actually uh, be able to pull them off. That's mm -hmm. the thing that we didn't learn because we didn't really have the ability to do that. And I say we like globally as the industry, like we, you know, it was a down period of time where there was the least amount of resource given. And the problem is, is that uh, new, we were learned how to do another type of event, which requires more work, but it was instead of, it was never both at the same mm -hmm. time. And now we're emerging thinking, well, if you just, you know, in your bubble, if you're just the thought leader types that are saying like, well, this is great. We learned how to do two things really well. We can double the value of our event. And that is true, I believe. It also doubles the work. And if there's not double the resources, then it just isn't going to happen regardless of how much better it is. Mm -hmm. So the, the challenge now to actually use the skills that we learned in, in the last couple of years is to find more resources like if you want to have a better event if you want to uh have the 2019 event plus the things you've learned over the last couple of years and expand and grow and not just maintain and eventually slowly go back to you know lower and lower numbers you have to be able to determine where the resources are because Nick, it's nice to down, say that. Can you break down the resources? Like kind of what are the yeah, big resources that we're struggling yeah. with? It's sponsored well, I'm dollars. also gonna challenge this while you're along the way though too is like what, what how much is lack of resources though just an excuse though at some point too i think lack of resources is always an excuse isn't it? <laughs> in, in at so, its core so i'm with you will over the last couple of years of uh, and years prior to the uh, pandemic as as a person who made his living off preaching uh synchronous and asynchronous 
uh, hybrid strategies and, and events. Like this is what I, this is the reason that like I was able to do as much as I was during the pandemic is because, you know, there's a few of us that were banging that drum before beforehand. And um, I, I'm with you that it's just like, do more, find more money, et cetera. The problem is, is that um, events have been in a silo for so long and, and there hasn't been a direct line between the work that's done and the bottom line uh, on organizations. And that that's line was probably pretty shaky to begin with. Shaky. It was, yeah. we had a good year. The events were part of that year in some way. Uh, mm-hmm. So let's just do the same event next year and, you know, we should also have a good year next year. Yeah. Like yeah. science, like it was, it should be like science as opposed to witchcraft. You know, it's mm-hmm. very much right. like it. This was, this was, you know, the stars were aligned, and it, you know, we just didn't draw it. And all the things that we've talked about for years and years about data and about um, uh, making events more empirically provable, like that, that's actually what what makes all of the stuff that we learned able to be used. But I agree, like it's an excuse, yes, well, for sure. But if events were not one of the more stressful jobs and not one of the like lower paying ways to, you know, in the stressful arena, uh, all those things were indicators going into this that that events were not taken as seriously as they could be mm-hmm. and were not resource equivalent to what you get. You know, like if events had the amount of resources to make them a comfortable living and a comfortable way to do things like marketers on that li- aren't on that list and their and agencies and such and there's a lot of overlap between the two why aren't they on that list is because they actually have more resources they're paid better they have better lives and they don't want one more thing like marketers would love one more thing it's one more piece of inventory they hire two more people um when the internet came uh with uh, marketers they you know they hired social media people and the graphic designers and videos and whatever when new when data comes into the events industry or when there's active shooters and viral outbreaks they didn't hire a virologist or a well-being expert they just said planner one more hat you know two more hats three more hats and that's the difference is that marketers made more money uh, and event people did not and the difference is, is that marketers were always keen to be able to tie as best they could ROI into the things that they did and events people didn't. They were more focused on the actual work itself and it's, it's people and folksy and all that stuff. So if you want to be able to rise above and to not use that as a, you know, not, not even like use that as a, uh, an excuse, but actually rise above that excuse, it, it really is about finding the money uh, and finding the empirical provenness of what you're doing in order for you to use those new skills that you had. Otherwise, um, you won't use them. You'll go back to 2019, uh, and it's just a matter of time before you know you get even less resources, you're taken even less seriously, and the event that you're doing in 2019 you know, falls to 2018 numbers, 2017 numbers. You don't grow, and if you don't grow, you die. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like you... you're totally in my head, Nick. Like I just was like <laughs> shaking my head. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Like he has that effect I, on people. Yes. <laughs> I would love. You know, here's a here's a topic for a future episode. Um, but essentially, what you kind of touched on is the fact that like event marketers get way more street cred, if you will, or totally. respect than like an event planner, and seventy five percent of their role overlaps. You know, I was in a role where I had a planner title, but I mean, 
50% of what I did was related to trade shows. That's event marketing. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I would, lo- I would love to have that debate. Like, we should set up an event where it's, like, event marketers on one side, planners on the other, and, like, you know, celebrity wrestling uh, style. Um, <laughs> celebrity so, deathmatch, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah, celebrity deathmatch. Take it back to So I definitely agree with that, with the standpoint of not having a seat at the table for those conversations with senior leaders when you need resources, whether it be bodies, Um, You know, I have been the event department of one and it sucks because Mm -hmm. no one speaks the language that you do. Um, Mm -hmm. No one understands the work that you do. Um, So, yeah, I definitely understand that to a T. Um, Or sometimes it's just, you know, I was the planner. I'm happy to hire vendors for everything. I'm happy to sign all the contracts and have all the resources externally. But I've got to have those dollars to buy all that labor. Um, Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. if if you know the man upstairs or the people signing the checks don't agree and you can't get them on board well it's just an uphill battle and you're literally just you know you have this great vision of what you can do with this event and what the attendees need and mm-hmm. how you can execute the strategy and the objectives but you know the you classic tale of champagne taste beer budget <laughs> yeah you hit on something i think it's super important uh as far as a, a, a way out of that is that um that they don't speak your language as far as event language. I think that's true, but I think it requires the event people because Maybe. they're in the position to speak their other totally. language. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And, and, let's and stop framing. waiting for the world to speak our language. And let's, it's not going to happen. Let's start learning how to speak the language. The more the common business that are, language. That are yeah. setting our budgets, that are setting our direction and objectives. Yep. 100%. Frame what you do in, in terms of lead generation into customer lifetime value, into... Uh, any metric, uh, any kind of lead generation metric or any kind of um, qualitative or, or lead qualifying uh, uh, language, if that's, you know, the type of event you're doing that has a, that has a, a business metric. Uh, but generally speaking, like the, the kind of like blanket business metric that is still one that but is the most vague is is customer lifetime value. Like I find that to be my catch all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but lead gen is a little bit harder to I mean, you can you can just, you know, offset people who. Think about uh, running reports against the people who have experienced your events versus those who haven't in, in your lead funnel and determine like what, where your closing percentage is. That's one of the most powerful things you can do is basically saying, like, look, people who are touched by our experiences convert more frequently uh, or, or have a higher quality or more, more profitable, et cetera. Like then it says, like, in, uh, when they come through me the business is better you know that kind of thing really is the stuff that cuts through all the noise and saying Mm -hmm. like this is not an event you know like you're not investing in chicken you're investing in lead qualification you're you're investing Mm -hmm. in uh customer lifetime value etc one of those things and then all of a sudden like they're like great just do your thing you know because honestly social media went through that but like really fast you know it went from a point of view of like this is all nonsense and soft not metric based we're just throwing money at something and then eventually you know like they it became like organized enough that it just fell under the umbrella of marketing not separate from it you know very quickly became just a you know just a strategy uh and uh got money because it was something that you know had some sort of qualitative results and measurable yeah Mm -hmm. events just have shunned that for years and i think it's it's a question of um you know, it's even fuzzier because there's it's it's so much more human 
uh, and less uh, like not digital. So you're not just looking at the, the metrics, you know, and that's why event mm. technology came in over the last like 15 years and said like, look, hey, we, we give you data and data is what, you know, gives you money versus Google. Uh, <laughs> and that that's the kind of thing. I, I agree that that is an element of it. But um, just looking at the difference between the people that you touch in, in your events and the people that you don't uh, in any capacity and showing you the qualitative differences, that's something you can do. But like it, it, even just language can get you faster, I think, mm -hmm. in, into uh, out of your silo and into the greater you know business end of it. Because if it's just we have a good year, we spend just as much money, we have a bad year, we spend a little bit less money is nonsense um you know it's like there's nothing else that works like that within the the sales and marketing department right they don't they don't say like hey you know like let's let's evaluate mm -hmm. everything on this binary of yes or no um it, it really comes down to like the measurement in between well you bring up a good point too that like you know this idea of like the data like the, i was thinking about it, i'm like yeah with social media one reason i popped off too is like every integrated tool basically was able to directly gen figure out what was actually generating leads what was actually you know closing deals like like for example like in hubspot i can look and see like oh this person came from this tweet this tweet right. is actually worth this much because they closed and became a customer whereas like i don't think many people you you hear it from probably the market the event marketers all the time or like this needs to integrate with marketo this needs to integrate with hubspot you know and mm -hmm. You know, we were seeing uh, data for the first time like that. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It's like crazy. Prior to us being able to use those integrated tools, what data do we have to run on? Really, there was there wasn't a whole lot. So mm -hmm. yeah, and I think that that social has set a standard for the type of data you can get and what you can do with it, and now it's pulling it out of that and using it in different ways. And you know, we can talk about data all day long, but I still wonder does the average event prof that has had data thrown on their plate, do they really mm -hmm. understand what data is? Do they really understand how to use it? No, they're like, connected to HubSpot, to I'm good right. to go. You right. guys figure it out later. But they're not the like, report oh, that I have to give to the marketing director and then, yeah. okay, that's off my task. And, and if, the next if there's thing. one thing that we can get better at, like let's get better at understanding that data as we're talking about stop waiting for others, decision makers to think like an event prof. Those are ways that we can start thinking like a business leader and a decision maker and starting to better understand how we can collect and use use that data. Not Even to throw a wrench in the whole data thing, but I was on, I was listening to a webinar and I don't know if any of you follow Chris Walker with Refine Labs. And um, he was, it was just like a Q&A, ask me anything. And he's kind of like a pioneer and kind of using dark social and other tools to generate, you know, demand. Define and, dark social for everyone who uh, doesn't know what it is. Yes, dark social is basically like anything you can't track. Private messages. Yeah, oh, okay. you know, someone sent a Slack and they said that's how you found the article, things like that. So um, I asked the question kind of, you know, about, you know, tracking leads at an event or, you know, basically using events as lead generation and and in that regard. And he he kind of fought back that if you think about events, they really aren't lead gen tools that most people think they are because they're usually just one plot on the funnel. Like they might not be the first time that your your prospect heard about you. They may not be the third time or the fourth time. It's just another opportunity to like get brand engagement. Like we really shouldn't even think about events as, you know, lead generation tools. And that kind of like blew my mind mm. when he was saying that. Hmm. But um, depends on the style of event. I, I agree yeah. that I think that they're, I, I think of them more often than not. I think the majority of them is lead qualifying events. 
uh, than than lead generating events because yeah. you have to get them there in the first place. So the awareness stage is taken up by getting them to that stage. Yeah. Uh, so like they're they're not generating as such. Uh, oftentimes, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there there is outliers. I mean, trade shows are you know sort of a bypass. Uh, of that right like if your exhibition booth uh is lead generating the the event producer isn't generating leads uh necessarily they're generating leads for others same thing with sponsors you know that you're providing lead generation for the sponsor so lead gen happens it's just not in the same you know way that people it's not a straight a to b yeah. um but the qualifying happens all over the place the other aspect is is that there's lots of other byproducts of events um, that um, we can take advantage of in order to uh, show our value more and thus get more resources and thus use the things we learned for the last two years to tie it back to what this is about. Uh, one of them is is gauging intent uh, of what uh, certain people value. So it, it's as simple as looking at uh, designing your event with options uh, for the uh, attendees to vote with their feet. Uh, and then using the data or I mean, and data sometimes like makes it sound like it depends on the scale of the event, uh, but it sounds like more difficult than it actually is. I mean, if there's 100 people and you have four breakouts and 75 percent of them go to one thing like that's a lesson learned uh, and value that you can infuse in the rest of the organization. You know, you can tell your sales team members that, hey, this is the type of content. We have other content like this in our library and you should use this to, uh, you know, to uh, inject into the cadence of the emails that you're exchanging with these people because it seemed to be a hot topic amongst these types of people. Things like that uh, is is treating your event like a focus group and uh, treating your event like a like a, an information discovery mechanism. That's that's a ton of value because voting mm -hmm. with your feet is so much more valuable than than someone clicking on something like you know how much right. money organizations spend by seeing if you clicked on this link or that link mm -hmm. or how much you spent on a page. But imagine flying somewhere. You know, I think I've said this before, but flying someone somewhere and having them, uh, you know, choose how to spend their hour and a half you know, of somewhere like that's a big deal. It's not a two second. Oh, I clicked in the wrong thing. I'm clicking off here, this and that. I got tricked by an ad, you know, clickbait, etc. This is a highly informed, targeted person. And this is how they've chosen to spend time away from their family. Like, think about the value of that. Like, mm -hmm. that's super, super valuable. And we Never we've designed that. that, you know, like the quality of how they spend their time is extremely valuable. And then you look at that as just a sample of an overall larger audience and say, okay, I've, de I've derived insights. And that insights is something that we could pay back our sponsors with, they could pay back our exhibitors with and say like, look, this is what people went to in that instance. Or you could just use it internally for an internal event uh, or um, yeah, the singular event uh, to determine other stakeholders in your business and how they can augment what they're doing based on what you've learned. So th there is more, I think, value in the things that we do. We just don't really mine it as such. And it, it requires mm -hmm. you to think about your event as a, a opportunity to engage with a base uh, mm -hmm. where the outcomes infuse within the entire organization. And that, that mentality is the kind of like big picture thinking you need to have to be able to get those resources. And I'm telling you, I've spent a couple years now and I'm seeing the barriers. The The barriers to better aren't because they don't believe it's better. I really believe they think it's that, that, that 2022 potential events, you know, are better. That 2019 isn't better, but 2019 is manageable. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, it's less like, like, like uh, Will said, 
it's an excuse, but it's valid mm-hmm. in the position that they've, you know, you're either put in and that you have to overcome or a position you put yourself in because, you know, you've been, uh, you know, not showing your full worth. Mm-hmm. So couple, assuming ahead, assuming yeah. our, our event profs are able to go and get the the resources, whether it's spend or bodies or whatever, what do you guys feel that they should be doing more of That's in their events? Question. If we assume that everyone's got the fattest budgets, a full <laughs> fully stocked team, everyone's mental health is 100%, <laughs> what should they be doing? <laughs> I know, right? That's, Let's shoot for 50. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, are you sure we were ever at 100%? Right, exactly. I yeah, think, what should they be doing if, I if think every a, if it's a perfect scenario? Yeah, I think I think more investment in strategy is, yeah. you know, we've been talking a lot about strategy on this podcast and the division between what a producer planner does and what a strategist does. And mm-hmm. I think that as we can expand resources, everything everything that came out of Nick's mouth needs to come from a dedicated strategist that is thinking about the overall strategy and is not worried about the the overall you know how and when the the physical things get done but those are the conversations that need to happen well well in advance so before you figure out what your why is we need to know what all those things are and then we're going to figure out how to execute them so my vote is more resources and strategy on the front end and gentlemen more touch points, you know, more. Uh, He's always uh, wanted to touch people. It's very weird. <laughs> very yeah. It's a lot of touching. Yeah. I'm a hugger. Uh, <laughs> touching you. I love that. Some comedian was telling me that as I watched something and I think it was like the new David Spade special. And he's like, isn't it great when people say like, I'm a hugger. And then all of a sudden they like get to do whatever they want. You know, like they get to do that <laughs> totally. thing. You're like, oh, you're like, yeah, I didn't. It's not a two way street, right? right. Like, yeah. It's Damn. like, hey, I'm going to hug you because I'm a hugger. It's like, now I try to apply that to other things, you know, like I'm a kisser. I'm a, th-. you're like, oh. <laughs> right. yeah, and it, it escalated from Damn, there. Damn, that just changed There's me. lots of Hollywood stories. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, okay, you declared you, but it's kind of a consent thing. Yeah. So, you still got to um, ask for consent for the hugs. Yeah, too. So I thought they're like, you put your arms out and you go in for the hug and they'll push you away. You're like, you. I'm a hugger. <laughs> All right, like you stated your side. Uh, that's great. Now yeah, I feel like uh, a terrible person now. Okay. And isn't that funny? I, it just completely like it, it shook how I like think about that. I'm like, that's pretty funny. I'm an overcharger. Here's my. Thing. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> hey, I'm an overcharger. You know, I'm, a, I'm the overcharger. I'm a guy. slacker. I, you know, I, I don't work all the way. Um, some more yeah. touch points. Yeah, some more. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Thanks for bringing me back. Uh, <laughs> gotcha. It's uh, it's it's taking you know the events that you have and uh, and turning it to uh, community touch points as opposed to putting all your eggs in one basket. I think mm-hmm. that's um, one of the biggest lessons that we're learned is we need to you know we need to connect our community more frequently, uh, and uh, there needs Do to be. Do you think niche. that is in the time that we're in? Is that an issue that we should have been addressing? pre-covid or is that a post-covid where we should be focusing it's a great point i, I would say it's exacerbated post-covid uh, because of the um, issue was there the, before and now it's like yeah i'm like most things with covid it's an accelerator right. uh I, I think that like people were um you know they were disconnected from humanity so i think there's probably an element of requiring more people to come together than there has been you know at least to to get us back on track with that um but moving forward i think that it's it's smaller niche engagements with uh you know helping people find their tribes uh and that takes a lot of work to be able to produce more experiences uh and especially smaller experiences um 
to have that, you know, like the the wheels, like sometimes an event for 25 people is as hard as an event for 200, I would say, almost always. So it, it's difficult, but the, the event for 25 could be life-changing and the event for 200 could be uh, sort of vanilla and bland because it's aimed at, you know, too many people. So mm-hmm. I think really mm-hmm. thinking about the, the overall 365 strategy of community mm-hmm. engagement ex- as opposed to uh, putting all the ingredients into three days and hoping everything mm-hmm. works out. That's one of the biggest lessons I think that that came uh, from COVID that I think that we, if I had all those resources, that's what I would do. I would make sure that yes, there's a, an overall community kind of like, you know, maybe peak into mm-hmm. what, um, you know, from, from a Valley and Peak perspective, but I would also make sure that there's more peaks along the way mm-hmm. uh, to be able to keep that loyalty, to keep that uh, momentum and keep that energy going within your community. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it'll make a healthier organization. I think that it's more disruption proof to not put all your eggs in one basket and then something happens and mm-hmm. you can't have your event and then you're, you're basically toast. Um, yeah. I think mm-hmm. that that's the that's the win and the other win is is the fact that like we learned that we were at least i did in many instances of events that i had the opportunity to you know communicate with people on uh we were underserving a lot of people we were saying hey the only way to experience our community is to get in a plane and fly far away uh (laughs) and have this much money and be this Mm -hmm. able-bodied and be this extrovert and be this be that and look if you're not those things then we don't have anything for you you know like you're not part of our dollar a night hotel when you put it that way (laughs) yeah Uh, like you're just not invited we don't we don't value you yeah Yeah, and it's terrible right like communities become more valuable when there's more voices that can add to the you know the choir and we there was a lot of hoops inherent in live events uh in in general that we just i think uh really took for granted because we're passionate about it and we're our own you know like persona Mm -hmm. yeah like we we just married mirrored off that like we think Mm -hmm. that's right like face to face is better than this it's better than that and we can it's not better it's a it's an option it's better for some right right it's in uh, our wheelhouse, and, and we can do it. We, we can like do it, it with our eyes closed. We like it. Totally. It's not a challenge to us, and our plates yep. are overloaded because we take on too much because that is by nature by the, way, the first line of the job description. And We yeah. love it, and that's that's why we do it. We don't do it for the money because clearly <laughs> that's been proven, right? So if, if you're kind of a cheerleader of something and you're saying it's better, it's like, well, let's let's talk to an impartial person. And then you get a maybe, and you get mm-hmm. sometimes. Right. And, and that's more Go of the Go talk objective. to somebody that left the industry, and they'll tell yeah, you totally. how it really <laughs> I don't go to as many events as I used to, and I don't attend as much stuff. You're like, yeah, because you're not, you know, you get used to it. Even even friends of mine who are like consummate event attendees in the events industry, like Adler is a good example. He doesn't, he, you know, I talk to him all the time. He doesn't want to go to events as much anymore. Mm-hmm. He's just like, yeah, same. Same. yeah, he's just the yeah. energy's not there. He was, I talked I talked to him last year, and it's interesting. You, Nick, you're bringing up more niche audiences, more niche gatherings, and you've brought that up quite a few times over the last little while, and. I was talking to David Adler and just kind of sponging off his great mind on a different talk on a similar topic. And he said to me, he said, he said that the future is bringing together smaller groups and having more of an impact and having, you know, these, these large mass groups and trying to leave an impact on them and trying to get a result or return out of them is going to be increasingly more challenging and the future. And we were talking specifically about associations and he said, you know, put people in, in niches that work for them and give them incredible experiences that they can't get anywhere else and make that your focus. And I think that I, I mean, I think he's really onto something there. He's been doing those Jeffersonian dinners for quite some time now and he's really ramping up educating people on how he does it as opposed to simply I did, just doing I them. did his in 2020 yeah yeah they're great. great it was great yeah, yeah. 
Will, are you going to name drop any big names like <laughs> Michael Dominguez or, you know? <laughs> you know, I'm usually the name dropper, but yeah, not today. No. Are you really? I, you never I, leave. You never leave that apartment. How can you name drop anybody? <laughs> Says the guy who always calls me Alpha when I'm name dropping stuff. True. Well, every every episode, Deanna Will has to have a flex of some sort. Oh, so okay. We okay. have already reviewed his paid for college from his privileged life, Tesla, his my Peloton. college debt. You mean my Tesla debt? We got to meet his wonderful girlfriend. <laughs> I, I have neither college debt nor Tesla debt. I feel. Like. <laughs> yeah, brag I, 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 I want to brag about that. That's, right. that's braggable. Right. Um, um, well. So let's, yes. I want to keep on the question because I think it's a great one. Yeah. Um, what do you do? We're going to crank up the resources. We're going to give you, we're going to give you more resources to do what you do. Where's the first place you start? Well, I'll give you a, if, even if you didn't have resources, I would say still do this. But I think even if you were like flush with resources, if you were like the Super Bowl, I would say mm. still do this. I but bet you that's thing... still on a freaking tight budget. <laughs> that's true. Like that's in true. The big that, scheme I, of things, I bet you it yeah. is. I think the thing is, too, is like what most people don't realize is like even the people with the most big budgets, yeah, like they don't like sit here and they're like, oh, I have so much budget because there's constant changes. There's constant things popping up to them. It's just and like the our, scale. It's, it's just, and yeah, the scale. And the scale. Yeah, like when you get hit with a, oh, yeah, your overtime bill was huge. It's not like, oh, I got hit with a thousand dollars and my AV team had to stay for that one rehearsal. It's, it's like, like $3.5 million. Yeah, $3.5 million because it rained one day that you're supposed right. to load in or something right. like that. Um, so for me, my, my answer to this, and besides your guys' excellent points so far, is that like people, this is an analogy, I don't think I've used it on this podcast yet, but uh, shout outs to Keaton from our team who uh, shared this analogy, and it's kind of been our theme for like the whole year for Endless, is take your hand out of the coconut. So like there's this proverb that basically like a monkey wants to go in for, you know, to, to be caught, basically these, uh, these, these hunters want to catch this monkey. And they're trying to figure out how to do it. And what they realized is that they would just basically take up a, a coconut, hollow it out, put a bunch of like fruits or whatever the heck a monkey wants sounds inside wonderful. of a coconut. Sounds great. Um, it, it's like, it sounds delicious, right? So yeah, then what happens is wonderful. the monkey then reaches his hand in the coconut and he creates a fist to grab it and then tries to pull it out. But if the hole is too small, he oh, can't grab it and God. pull it out. So, so what oh, ends up man. happening is that his hand gets stuck in the coconut. Well, they chain the coconut like something so he can't take the coconut with him. And what ends up happening is that the monk, they'll literally run up to like the monkey to catch it. And the monkey's so furious about trying to get the fruit, he can't let go and gets trapped and so they can capture the monkey. So the concept behind it is the idea is like, I know, the, I know people that would happen to just for the record. <laughs> yes. Why didn't you just I say get Pringles can and then I would have been like, oh, yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like, like the commercial can. There Instantly you go. Relate. And then there, you there, get there, story. There's there's panic for half a second because you're not sure. You're like, do I have to live my life with a Pringles can? Am I <laughs> right. Yeah. But but here's the thing with the monkeys. They will be willing to die for what's inside the fruit. Right. And like the fruit for our, for for our industry is the 2019 event. Right. They're like latched onto it. They're like, I this was successful. It worked. I have to do it again. That they're willing to literally like people attend the event and say, no, screw it. I'll leave. Like we use the example of the event that people go to for just the social aspect. Well, part of me thinks to myself, I'm like, well, if the social aspect is the only reason people go, what happens when all the friends decide to go somewhere else, right? Or they they all get sick and they can't go, or they just decide three, four of them say, I'm not going, right? That all of a sudden your event like crumbles upon itself. Yeah. So I think what we need to do as an industry is let go of the fruit and just start new. Like I think even just the idea of like you had a previous schedule, like so Deanna, you used the example of like the, they just literally used the exact same schedule for 2020. Like the fact that they even looked at it 
I think was a bad idea. Like they needed to just start with a blank spreadsheet, write it all from scratch. And I think that we need to do that more often. Like even if you're the Super Bowl and you have the most successful event that you're going to guarantee make a lot of money, whatever is like, just start scratch because like, I think there's just so many opportunities for us to start with a blank slate and to that. think differently than, than ever before. So I'll tell yeah. you this. So the clients that I've worked with, I've been, it has been crazy busy where I am for the last month. It's just been show after show after show. I've missed a few recordings because of it. It's just been nuts. And attendance is up on almost every one of these events, like exceeded expectation revenue for both sponsorship and fundraising has been through the roof higher than our clients have ever seen it. So wow. everything that we thought was going to happen is not happening. People are coming and they are drinking the wine and they are getting all rowdy and crowding the dance floor. And so all the safety stuff that we were worried about is not really happening. And, and people are just ready to get back at it. The consumer's ready to get back at it. Now, when it comes to I will say that most of the events that I've done are carbon copies of what happened in 2019. And it's for, it's for different reasons. It's, you know, in some cases it is a brand new planner because that department got wiped out during COVID. So they're mm -hmm. coming in at the last minute and the best thing they can do for the organization is pick up the handbook and make it happen. So try there, to survive. There's, there's no runway to, to recreate. There's no opportunity. This person probably got hired in February to execute a 1200 person fundraiser in April. There's, that is not a time when you throw out what was what is tried and tested. You <laughs> That's just, not when you let your hand out of the coconut. That, <laughs> that is well, not, I'll risk it. <laughs> totally, totally. And and so there's so there's those, and then there's the the you know the the general hesitation and the worry that you know there's are people going to be ready for something new? Is this the time to change it? Is this are we going to put a bunch of work into something that's going to end up getting canceled again? Where are we really at with mm. the pandemic? Like so, I think there's a there's a whole bunch of things at play, and I I I think that event profs are doing a great job coming back online. There's also the like incredible incredible labor issues that we're having all across the board, which yeah. are mm -hmm. increasingly becoming just such a problem for our industry all the way around from riggers to banquet servers. It's, it's a just, it's a zoo up here in Canada. I don't know if you guys are feeling the same pressure down there. Um, but staffing is, staffing is incredibly hard. So when you're in a market where staffing is incredibly hard, do you really want to start flipping everything on its head when you know that you can just go in and you can produce what everybody knows how to do? and, and mm -hmm. hit the ground running. So I, I mean, I support my clients in saying, let's just get through this. And I think that yes, there's lessons that were learned. I do worry that it's like, if we can, if we get success one more year off of that 2019 plan, where's the incentive to change? And that's yeah, where then we have 2023 to... becomes a cop carbon copy again. Of course, of course. But I, I do, my fear I, is like, I do leaving understand yourself vulnerable. Why we're so here. like, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I just think that like that premise is based on the idea that there's no more disruptions coming down the pipe, which totally. I, th there is. Yeah. So like to me, it's like the strength yeah. comes in building your house with a strong foundation when you can, mm -hmm. as opposed to I'm going to try to make an analogy like in the midst of a storm. Right. So like if it's sunny weather, I guess, uh, then that's when you build the the, you know, the, the stronger foundation. Uh, I don't know anything about building things, but mm -hmm. I, I think that like that's uh, my only fear is, is that is we'll just forget the, the, the we'll next forget thing. this time and it'll yeah, be 2023 we'll just... and 2024 and beyond. And, and like Nick said, we'll see dwindling attendance. We'll see dwindling engagement and we just well, people get bored again. And like a lot yeah. of the, the like uh, what's happening right now is in response to 
uh, you know, demand. taking something away, right? Yeah. So it's like there's a, there's a level of novelty, et cetera. Uh, to me, like the biggest the biggest win from the pandemic is the fact that we learned that there are there are individuals who would be members of our communities that we serve uh, who would participate and would have a voice in a virtual capacity uh, that could be activated and could make mm -hmm. us stronger. And then also with those skill sets that we learned serving them, we could have value to the entire organization and give us, you know, uh, a, a hedge against, you know, different, you know, vulnerabilities. Like to me and the flexibility that comes with that, like that's that's one of the biggest values. And uh, like I, I want to grow and future proof uh, the things that I invest in. And I think that like I think the, the virtual right now doesn't feel as fun because you don't need to do it. And it was like, you know, brought on by gunpoint. Uh, I, I get that totally. But I still think that like there's ways to add value in, in between engagements with the, those types of platforms that um, I think would make us stronger on the whole. And also, frankly, I think there's a lot of ways to make money on those things that like add uh, additional value to um, for sponsors that would give us the money that we need. You know, like every time I see virtual, all I can think of is, is like it's another opportunity to add more sponsor eyeballs and more uh, money coming in evergreen. You know, just recut that stuff, you know, add some sponsor uh, value. You're not doing anything different. And uh, and then, you know, find some more money to, to get the extra help we need in order to do uh, whatever is uh, not, we're not able to do otherwise. Totally. Um, we're getting to the end. So I think we'll do one last question, rapid round, round the table. What's one thing that we should just leave in 2019? What's that one thing that we should not carry forward or lesson learned that we should put some emphasis on as we're going into the rest of our events for 2022? Chocolate fountains. Done. Yeah, I was gonna say something related to catering too. <laughs> I'll, I'll, to, to, to build off the joke, I think like the, the excessive amount of money spent in one single category of your event, like mm -hmm. no, no sacred cows, no monkey yeah. hands and coconuts. Yeah, don't go like, after catering. I'm pretty sure it's an AV will. So uh, you can just, you can just <laughs> go after AV there. too. I'll I'll say it right now. Go after your AV budget too. Like look, go after anything and just consider like take that hand out of the coconut and like. You know, consider instead of doing it at a Marriott, you know, Hilton, you know, property, consider doing it at a smaller property, maybe something like that, you know, like a property with no AV exclusivity. Perhaps. No, I don't, even care <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even care anymore. So like, but I mean, I just want people to have successful events. That's all that matters to me. Yeah, right. I'm sure. Deanna, what's your, what's, what's your one? Turf it I or would, make it better? Uh, so it's a twofold. Leave the fear of um content creation and a lot of the production skills that we've learned leave it in 2020 2021 um and i think we can do a better job of using our events as content creation houses Love and and making making on the back end of it being more of like distributing the content um after the event and making it longer experience and not just that one snip snippet in time Beautiful. I love that. Always positive, Nick. What do you got? Were chocolate uh, fountains of, really yours? Cause I mean, they're gross uh, and, you know, <laughs> they make people sick. Uh, but uh, outside of that, yeah, I, I, I would say, you know, uh, your your apprehension on 
uh, trying something new and trying something different and experimenting. Uh, I think there was a lot of experimentation that happened mm -hmm. in the last two years. Uh, I think that that's where growth happens is in periods of pain. And, you know, my fear for event planners is that they don't have enough pain, um, that they're going to go back to their comfort zones. I know mm -hmm. that that's... Uh, that sounds awful, but um, whatever, you know, if you can innovate outside of pain, that would be better. For <laughs> some reason, I just thought of like Saw for yeah, a second. Exactly. Like, <laughs> They've yeah. got to find a way to innovate. We, must, <laughs> we need you to grow from this moment. Yeah. You have been a terrible event planner. You have five seconds, otherwise we rip your eyeballs out. Wait till you see what's in the box. You know, <laughs> that, that gets really to mix movies. Um, but yeah, I, I would say, uh, you know, uh, you saw what happens when you uh, when you when you're pushed up against the wall and, you know, uh, what you're willing, what you're able to do to survive and what you're able to do to grow. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people have the long, long dark uh, nights uh, of the, the soul uh, to get there. Um, I think that you don't want to be there again. So uh, you were caught with your pants down, as was the entire world. That's not your fault. The next time, however, uh, you should figure out what you need to do not to, not to be there and have really, really strong uh, plan Bs. And I think that um, if you do that, um, then it'll all be worth it. If you don't, then what you'll find is uh, you're we'll going to be right back to where you were. Or worse, yeah. because there'll be more expectation on you to adapt. There's, I, 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 yeah. I, this is not the disruption. Uh, COVID was not the disruption that I was anticipating and I was anticipating a disruption at the same scale. So, mm -hmm. uh, and I've been saying this for like 10 years now that I think that there's going to be a, a, a domino effect due to automation that's going to rip through the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's going to stop everything. And, um, we're all going to have to like figure out new ways to do things. And, uh, that, that hasn't even happened yet. And I think that like, there's so many other, uh, things at that scale that can happen due to globalization that um, there, there's going to be more disruption. So like just assume mm -hmm. that there's going to be another one and it's not going to be one that you prepared for and figure out how you can reinvent yourself and future proof. Future proofing mm -hmm. your events is is the strategy, you know, regardless of what happens. If everything that you have right now uh, is taken away, how would you still be successful? Great. I love that. Um, Two things. Number one, I think that like my biggest takeaway from this is stop waiting for others to speak your language and start learning how to speak their language. And I think that in itself is such a great, a great thing for event profs to hear and learn and something that, uh, that I'm going to take away from this. And for things that I want to turf or keep, I think that 2021 was an exceptional year for us bringing more people into the fold and inclusivity and creating a space for more people to attend events and attend it in a way that they're comfortable with and everything from subtitles to all the other things that we that we did that probably for the first time ever opened up certain conferences and lectures and educational things to a new audience and I think we need to keep keep our eyes on that and figure out how we can continue to do that and it doesn't matter if there's one person in the room that can capitalize on those subtitles we should be doing it it should become standard and I, I hope I hope we continue to have our eyes on that and don't just leave those folks behind because I think we've figured out that that we found a way to attract new audiences and those new audiences have value and and I hope that as we go back to live we consider those folks as well. They weren't at our events in 2019 and they won't be at them in 2022. We got them for that short little window. Now let's figure out how do we continue to um, continue to engage them. Um, and that's it, Deanna. Your first 
podcast with us. How did we do? Yeah. Um, you guys did pretty good. Great. You did pretty good. How did I C do? C minus. You did, did amazing. I, did I fit in? You did amazing. You were, amazing. You were an A plus. We were a C minus. <laughs> yeah. I, this was a C minus day for me for sure. I can't hear myself in my earphones, which I didn't think would be a big deal, but it's you, kind of a you big like deal. You like got out of here like, you know, it's great. I don't have to hear myself. And now you're like, oh. I really need to hear myself, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. hard if you can't. It's totally it's really hard. hard. I feel like I'm nasally, it's, but. Hopefully, I sound wonderful. Speaking of sounding wonderful, I have a bone to pick with the Endless team because they changed our outro person and did not tell me, and it is now a woman, <laughs> and I've been referring to it, and I shouldn't be genderizing because I actually don't know, but it used to be a man, and I used to say, I'm going to throw to the handsome man that does our outro, and I listened to one of our episodes, and it is clearly a woman, and I look like a <laughs> No one told you. It hasn't, we, you haven't said it since we changed it, so you're, you're totally good. <sighs> I got to tell you, the communication on this podcast is subpar. Deanna, I don't, I don't know how it was for you, but they don't tell us anything ever. So on that note, we would with, love... With friends like Dustin who needs enemies right yeah, now. Yeah, that's true. Exactly, exactly. Thank that's you. True. I'm going to get a t-shirt that says that. I might actually have one. Um, uh, thank you to everybody that's listening. If you have anything about this topic, and I'm sure... So many of you are feeling pinch points, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling excited, you're feeling ambitious, you're seeing things in your side of the world um, that can add to this conversation. We always want to hear from you. So feel free to email us at eventbrew at helloendless.com or hit us up on any of the socials. You know how to find us. You can DM us, you can add us or tweet us or I don't, are we on Twitter? Yeah, we're on Twitter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The last, one of the last companies to join Twitter. And uh, and that's all we have for you. Uh, Deanna, again, what a special treat for us. Thank you so much for taking the time to join Thank with us for and me. for all of your input. And we hope to see lots more of you here on Event Brew. And this is where everybody just quietly says goodbye. 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 Bye. Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head over to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or tell us what topics you want to hear covered. See you next time on Event Brew.